Let me pray one last time. Lord, we come to you needing a lot, but having little ourselves, having nothing ourselves. Lord, we're so aware of our lack of patience, my own lack of listening, Lord. So pray that you would um, soften our hearts, open our ears. Lord, we need so much from you. We need you every hour of every day. Lord, would you give us a bigger view of the Lord Jesus and what he's done for us. And pray that we would uh, leave having experienced your grace and wanting to further live in light of that grace. We ask this for Jesus' sake and his glory and his glory alone. Amen. So one of my favorite and actually the most common uh, sort of movie you'll see in the cinemas is this idea of a lot of misfits coming together to work for a common goal. So you think of the Avengers, you think of Lord of the Rings, whatever it may be, this is a really common theme where people from all walks of life come together to work for a common goal. And often whenever we watch these movies, there's naturally friction because they're from different walks of life and naturally they clash over many things. But as the movie progresses, you're encouraged by the fact that they, they ultimately work out their differences and work together for good. But there, there's a reason why that so often comes up in our culture. It's because it's, the, it's part of the big story that God has written into this world. You know, whenever you watch these films, there's a reason why these stories keep coming up again and again. And there's a reason why they resonate with us. It's the way God has designed this world to be together. But in God's big story, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation come together, not just people who all look the same. So next time you watch one of these movies, uh, perhaps just think the reason why this is so often shown to us is because it's part of God's story. That might just be helpful in engaging your, your kids at different points in life whenever you watch these movies. You can sort of say, this is, what, this is part of the story of the Bible in many ways. And actually, we see that in particular in the book of Philemon, because we see how these different people from different walks of life have these friction, have these differences, and how they experience forgiveness, friendship, and freedom. Those are three Fs, which are just quite helpful. We, we mentioned last week how all of the book of Philemon is about grace, but there's three Fs. Maybe if you're a young person and you struggle to keep track, forgiveness, friendship, and freedom. Each week, think about that. You're going to learn about forgiveness, friendship and freedom. But we're going to have a closer look at those verses that were read to us, and we're going to see two main points. How, gr how grace changes us and how grace continues to change us. How grace changes us and how grace will continue to change us. So Matt mentioned last week that this is uh, Paul's postcard to Philemon. Now Philemon is a church leader in a little church in Colossae. And well, what we know about this man is that he was a wealthy man. He, he's able to have a church meet in his house, and he's also wealthy enough to have his own servant or slave, Onethemus. I'm going to struggle with that all day, so get used to him. Uh, but in that particular culture, much like ours today, the elites did not mix with the lower class. You know, they stayed in their lane. They stuck together, elites meeting with elites. And that would have been the same for Philemon. But that was before he had met Jesus. He would not have mixed with different people because of his class, his standard. And actually, in our culture today, there are very few things that actually cause us to cross into different areas. 
you know, sometimes you see it in sports and hobbies, you can find, you know, a doctor playing with a tradesman, you know, totally different areas of life, totally different professions, spending time together for the common good. But, but think about Philemon's situation again. In an honor and shame society, it would be damaging to your reputation and your family's reputation if you were seen as mixing with the wrong type of people, which once again, isn't too dissimilar to the world we live in today. It's not a good look to mix with the wrong type of people. And if you think to yourself, oh, you know, I don't often mix with the wrong type of people, it's probably because you are the wrong type of person. Because in our world today, being a follower of Jesus is not very popular. You're, you're probably that wrong type of person if you're a Christian today. But our world, like Philemon's, is structured in a way where we don't often move out of our camp. So what can bring people from different areas, different tribes, different tongues, all together in a meaningful way, which isn't sport or a hobby? We see it here in this little postcard. Philemon had met Jesus through the teaching of the Apostle Paul, and we see that in verse 19. And throughout the Bible, we see time and again, when people encounter Jesus, their lives are never the same. And just think, if that is your experience, if you have met Jesus and your life is not the same, do you not want other people to experience that as well? Don't you want to see other lives changed? But the, the evidence straight away is very obvious in Philemon's life because he's receiving a postcard from an old man in jail. A church meets in his house. Whenever you are a believer in Jesus, there is an obvious change that happens in your life. But let, let's look at some of these short verses that we have because Paul is thanking God for what has happened in Philemon and he's doing it through praying to God. So he is, Philemon has come to faith in Jesus and whenever someone comes to faith in Jesus, it creates a partnership. Look down at verse six and you see that word partnership. The, the word partnership is a word that the translators of the Bible struggle with. But in the original language, it means something like having a deep personal and mutual bond, a deep personal and mutual bond. So they're tied together because of faith in Jesus. And this deep personal bond means that they love each other. They serve one another because they are bound together. They cannot be torn apart. How does faith in Jesus lead to this change? What is it about faith in Jesus that creates this partnership? Well, it's all about grace and grace through faith, which is what we see Paul mention in verse five. Faith, that is a, a big Bible idea, isn't it? You know, let's use a little acrostic here to help us think about what faith means. My, my life group this past week, we're thinking of all these little snappy phrases and acrostics for grace, and I want to get involved on the faith. So faith means forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. So Philemon had heard about Jesus. He put his faith in Jesus. And in hearing about Jesus, he had come to know that all the good things he did in his life could not cancel out the bad. He'd come to realize that all of his money, all of his family, anything else that he had in his life, he could not rely on to save him. So he had forsaken all other things. He had trusted in and trusted in Jesus alone to save him. But that way acrostic is challenging in and of, of itself, isn't it? What things are you trusting in today instead of Jesus? 
would people recognize that you are fully trusting in him, forsaking all others? That's a, that's a big challenge to us all. But, but let's keep thinking about that idea of faith. Because today, often, whenever you speak to people who are not Christians, they might say this expression to you, I wish I had faith like you. I wish I had faith like you. But what they're often missing is that the reality is that everyone has faith in something. You know, people are trusted in all sorts of things that they can't be sure of. You know, even we fall asleep each night in faith, believing that we'll wake up again the next day. People may have faith in science, another religion, or in their money to give them purpose or meaning. But actually, whenever we find that we've misplaced our faith, it can lead us to feeling hurt, betrayed, and lost. Whenever we misplace our faith in something, we can feel hurt, betrayed, and lost. And I think we've all experienced in some ways putting our faith in something that has failed us, haven't we? You know, it's a silly example, but if you put your faith in a chair and it fails you, it's quite embarrassing, but at least it isn't life-threatening, in theory. But the Christian faith is about so much more than a bruised bum and a red face. This is about life and death. Like, this is why it's so important. This is why we gather together as a church, because faith in Jesus is a matter of life and death. And with that in mind, since Philemon had come to put his faith in Jesus, it makes sense that his life had changed because he wanted to tell other people about this amazing news, this amazing faith that is about life and death. And also it makes sense that he then wanted to spend time with other people who saw the world in the same way he did. And we see the way that Philemon lives out this faith in these verses. Let me read them to you again. Paul has heard about your love for all his holy people. You, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Whenever you have faith in Jesus, it leads you to love all God's people. Maybe you need to hear that one word very specifically this morning. All God's people, not some. And like this letter is a perfect example of that because we know a bit about the church in Colossae because of the letter of Colossians. But, but look at the people who Paul is with who's in prison with effectively. It's quite a ragtag team. Epaphras, Mark, Articus, Demas, and Luke. What, what do all those names mean? It means you can't have faith in Jesus and not love his church. And you can't love the church and not have faith in Jesus. Faith is crucial in Jesus. But loving all God's people is essential because Jesus died for his church and his church now lives for him. Philemon's faith means that he lives, lives and loves a people who are completely different to him. And, you know, practically, Paul speaks about how Philemon lived and loved people in such a way that they were refreshed by being with them. You know, I, I'm speculating here, but for a rich man to refresh the hearts of God people, it probably meant him using his wealth to bless them, those who were poor in his congregation. Perhaps it meant that he spoke encouraging words and blessing to those who were struggling under hard taskmasters. The, people got the impression they felt loved by Philemon because they knew this man truly cared for him because of his faith in Jesus. Paul heard about it. Paul heard about these amazing deeds of love and thank God for him. You know, that, that's a good way in of itself to refresh someone's heart is to pray for them and let them know that you're praying for them. 
You know, often whenever we, we meet up, we might say, oh, I'm praying for you, or I will pray for you. So often we say that, and then we completely forget to pray. Like, why not in that moment say, let's pray right now so that I don't forget? But whenever we think about this idea of being refreshed, like, the application in some ways is this. It's this question. Are you a refresher? Are you a refresher? Like, I think we can all picture people who are refreshers, can't we? You have them in your head, what it's like whenever you spend time with them, whenever you receive a text from them, whenever that name pops up on your phone, you're like, I know this is going to be good. I'm excited to hear from this person. But let's think about the inverse of that, because if Paul is thanking God for a believer who is refreshing, he would also be praying for a believer who is a fun sponge, a brain drain, a killjoy. So, so bear in mind, like, it is important to, to, to be self-aware in this. I'm very aware that there are times where I'm miserable. And actually, there, we need to recognize that God calls us to be refreshing. So know your lane. For me, I am not particularly gifted with words. But refreshing someone for me is baking a tray of brownies. That, that's, that's how I will refresh someone. So in some ways, actually do some self-reflection. What is your specific gift to refresh someone this week? Like, we've got to press on. But Philemon, you might be sitting there thinking, you know, I have faith in Jesus, easy. I love God's people, easy peasy. But the, the second point is where the rubber really hits the road, which is how grace continues to change us. Because it's so easy to hear, hear all that stuff and think, okay, job done. I know who I'm going to refresh this week. I'm going to, I'm going to go after this person or that person but we don't often go after the person that we find really hard to love. We don't often go after that person who we really, really struggle with, particularly in church. Well, so let's look at verse six again. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. You know, verse six is one of the, the verses that the commentators say is just very complicated, very hard to figure out what it means. So whenever, whenever we read that verse, there, there's a lot of different understandings if you read a commentary. But sometimes whenever you read all these different things, you think, I think it's sort of all those things together. But, but I think the context of this entire letter can be quite helpful for guiding us. So Paul wants Philemon to forgive Onesimus, this slave who's run away from him to be reconciled to him because they are brothers in Christ. So in some ways, I think what Paul is saying here is this, Philemon, since we share all of God's riches in Jesus, I want you to put into practice the gospel truth you know and have experienced. Let me say that again. Philemon, since we share all of God's riches in Jesus, I want you to put into practice the gospel truth you know and have experienced in your life. Paul wants Philemon to forgive Onesimus because he knows how much he has been forgiven in Jesus, and he's actually been forgiven a far greater debt by Jesus. And you will hear this week after week as we look at this letter, because it runs through the the whole letter. Paul wants Philemon's understanding of what Jesus did for him to deepen. And actually, if you just look at these little verses, this is something that we should be praying for one another as a church. Go down your life group list on on your phone. Pray that people's understanding of what Jesus has done for them would deepen. You know, so often we pray for our, our health, our 
our jobs, whatever it may be, pray that people would understand Jesus' love and sacrifice for them better whenever they don't get that job, whenever the health doesn't get better, when life is hard, because that's when Jesus is most real. So, so for Philemon, that means forgiving the servant who might have stolen money from him and ran away. And consider, once again, this honor-shame society that Philemon was in. Like, he would have lost his reputation, his money, and if you've ever been stolen from, it definitely impacts your trust. You know, mentally and emotionally, it takes time to recover. And the church that met in this house would have been sitting there thinking, how will our church leader respond if, they ever, if he ever sees this man again? How will he respond? Will he allow his experience with Jesus to shape the way he lived? Because by forgiving this servant, this slave who had run away, who had done so much harm to him, Philemon would understand the gospel better. Because he would have to look at this man and see himself in him, a sinner saved by grace, who was shown undeserved mercy, who was welcomed by God when he should have been rejected. You know, God's grace, faith in Jesus, is the great leveler, rich and poor, slave and free, on a level playing field. You know, think about just how scandalous this is in any and every culture. Onethemus probably could have been put to death for his crime. And actually, for Philemon to forgive him, it would have appeared weak. It would have appeared weak to forgive. And actually, it could have encouraged the other slaves to act like this. The gospel message, time and time again, goes against what the culture says. You know, think back to point one. Faith and love, how faith and love are both qualities that you can't actually know unless you see them. You only know someone has faith by the way they live. You only know if someone loves you by the way that they act. But actually, we might be sitting there thinking, okay, it's quite easy to forgive, for example, if it's someone in the workplace, because you think, okay, I want to show them Christ's love. I want to show the gospel to them. But whenever it's someone within the church, whenever it's a Christian believer who has wronged us, it is so much harder. This is what should be different about the church. We should be the most quick to forgive and reconcile. And yet so often we're not. In, in, in the world out there, you know, if you don't like someone, if you have something against someone in a sports team or work, you can, you can generally avoid them, particularly helpful if you're on Zoom these days. But, but, you know, you can move away from them. You can make an effort to avoid them. But in church, if you have a grievance with someone, it's just not that easy, is it? Because even if you leave the church to get away from them, you have the slight issue that you're going to see them in glory forever. So, so what do we do in these situations? Whenever we know, we know the gospel, we've heard it time and time again, we know that we've been forgiven much. But yet it's so, so hard. There's two things I think we need to consider, which, which we get from these verses. We need to consider the body, and we need to consider the head of the body. You know, think about Philemon, this church leader. Time and time again, he would have stood and told people about the gospel, encouraged people's hearts. And now he had an opportunity to practice what he preached. You know, this church that met in his house would have been very aware of the situation, perhaps had even been praying for this situation. And lo and behold, God had answered it, like beyond their wildest dreams. The slave had run away, now a brother in Christ. Do we pray big, bold prayers? 
big bold prayers that the one who's wronged us would come back to the church and would be reconciled to us all. I'm sure they were wondering with bated breath what that meeting would be like between Philemon and Onesimus. Would Philemon's faith lead him to love all God's holy people, not just the ones he liked? You know, consider the impact it would have had in this church community if he, Philemon didn't forgive him. That would have sent shockwaves through the church. The unforgiving church leader, the church leader who does not truly live out the gospel. And you know, I, I'm saying this, this is the church leader, of course, but too often we think of our lives in an individual way without thinking about the wider context of our church family. And that's, of course, because of the culture we live in, which is so individualistic. But think about the impact of our decisions can have on this body and the wider body of Christ. Actually, we, we thought about the idea of being refreshing. We've all experienced whenever someone's actions has had a draining effect on a congregation. But on the, on the positive side, how encouraged are we whenever we see people trusting Christ through the darkest hours of their lives? Whenever we see people truly speaking the truth in love by forgiving one another and by allowing the grace to continue to change them. The second thing we need to do is consider the head. Whenever we find this reconciliation, whenever we find uh, forgiveness so difficult, you need to remind yourself this morning, every morning, that you yourself are a sinful saint who's been forgiven so much so that you can love much. You know, picture Philemon in his head thinking about this runaway slave coming back to him Think about what he would have wanted to do to him. And then he remembered Jesus Christ. He remembered that he himself, Philemon, was a slave to sin. And Christ Jesus, rather than demand that death penalty, removed the chains and said, go free my child so that you may forgive much and love much. When we consider Christ, forgiveness doesn't become easier, but it becomes a heart response that we want to do because we recognize the goodness of grace in our own lives. Philemon, a slave to sin, but now free, a slave to Christ, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. May that be our song, may that be the testimony of our life. Once a slave to sin, now alive in Christ forever. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much um, for your grace. Lord, thanks that it's poured into our hearts by your spirit through the work of Jesus. Lord, these are, Lord, these are so, these things are so hard for us to do. We're so weak and sinful, and yet your grace, your spirit, your love makes us whole. Pray that you would help us continue to let grace change our lives this day and for all the days to come. Amen.